We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Pretty good, Nick. It's um, five draft picks. Who would have thunk it? You had a couple of un, uh, un, like uh, unrestricted free agents or whatever they were, some other young kids to add to the G League roster. I mean, we might not have got the Larry OB, but whatever the Summer League trophy is, the Nets are coming for it. Yeah, a couple undrafted free agents. And like you said, five picks in the draft. I mean, people asked me yesterday, do you think the Nets are going to take like three picks? I probably would have said no. The fact that they drafted two in the first and three in the second, big surprise. Obviously, we had the trade of Landry Shamit for Javon Carter. We'll talk about that and plenty more. But as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to start? Let's start with the, I guess, the the start of the night, Nick, which was yeah. that Landry Shamit trade, which saw him traded to the Phoenix Suns for Javon Carter and pick 29. So the Nets got a, another first rounder in that. And what did you, what were your immediate thoughts on it? I guess if we look back to last year, this is essentially pick 19 from last year for Javon Carter and this year's first round pick 29, which turned into uh, Damon Sharp. Yeah, I mean, I think my initial thoughts before I knew who they drafted would pick 29, I thought maybe it could lead to a bigger trade, you know, two first-round picks. Maybe you trade up, maybe you trade for another play, player, maybe you dump DeAndre Jordan. But we heard a lot of rumors with Landry Shaman over the last couple of weeks of him being involved in trade offers and different packages. And I don't think the Nets were super high on him after last season. You know, he's very inconsistent. His play, playoff performance was lackluster to an extent. Like, they needed somebody to step up against the Bucks, and he couldn't really be that guy. He was getting played off the floor. And then, like you kind of mentioned before he hopped on, like, cost control, new contract coming up. He is a shooter, has a decent percentage. You're going to have to give him some money. So it's like it kind of made sense in my head. Like, Shamit wasn't a perfect fit. Didn't feel like his vibe with the Nets was amazing. And Javon Carter, on the other hand, was a guy that you're like, okay, this is some gritty, tough defense type guy. You know, shot a good percentage from three. Fills a depth need, you know, because he does play point guard. He's not necessarily a true point guard or anything like that. But gives you one of those, like, complementary role players, you know, kind of similar vibes to a Bruce Brown and what he can bring in terms of just, like, that that uh, intangible stuff, you know what I mean? Just like that extra energy and hustle that you kind of like really love to see from your role players when you have superstars. And obviously pick 29, like I said, it kind of offered some different flexibility. Nets ended up using it for a player that I think fills a need as well. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Landry Shammer, just from a personal perspective, I thought that he indeed himself to, to Nets fans. You know, he had a good mentality. You know, he, he, he spoke glowingly of just everything about it. We're never going to forget the, the moment where he was traded and he was uh, listening to a bit of Jay-Z Empire State in mind, having a nice little uh, Rosso Vino as, uh, to celebrate the occasion. And unfortunately, you know, he just wasn't able to produce at the level that he could. You know, obviously, he, he may not have been given the opportunity. Some of it was his size. You know, Joe Harris obviously was the, the guy that was probably getting that number one sort of role. Um, you know, he had fluctuating season. There was at the start of the season where it's just like, come on, Landry, this is what you do best, my guy. And then he got back, and, and I think a lot of us were, were really enthused for him because he had the right mentality. He knew he was yep. going to get back. Um, and then obviously the playoffs, yeah, he just uh, he, he just got outplayed by a team that's too athletic and, and, and plays a, a lot of players off the floor. And the Nets need playoff rotation guys, and I think that that was illuminated by Sean Marks, obviously having to give him a rookie extension. You know, he has ties to Monty Williams. Monty Williams has said in the past that, you know, Landry Shaman's the kind of guy that I'll let my daughters marry. So uh, <laughs> there's there's, a, there's some strong ties there, and I think that Sean Marks did a really good job to get value in return because Javon Carter is basically we're seeing, you know, appreciation posts, all this love from Suns media and fans to Javon Carter in a very similar vein to what we saw Bruce Brown last year. And Bruce Brown, who we saw what he turned into, into a small ball five. Now, I think Javon Carter might be a better guard defender, point guard defender than Bruce Brown. So uh, I think when we put them both out there, the defensive lineups are going to be, you know, Gary Payton, Scotty Pippen. Uh, It's (laughs) going to be goddamn outstanding having both of those guys on the floor. And you mentioned his shot. You know, I think that also his point guard-ish sort of skills work well, you know, because he's in... when healthy, if he plays next to Harden or next yep. to Kai, you know, secondary ball handling, you know, a good athlete, really strong, uh, really quick, uh, you know, hustle plays that I think get the team going that you want out of a role player. I'm super excited to see JC on this team, and I'm going to be calling him JC already. It started now, uh, and it's going to start for, for the next however many years we have him. But we do have him um, under cost control for two more seasons. million this season and 3.9 million in 22-23. You know, Sean Mars continues to find these little pieces here and there to complement the superstar role players, which is no easy feat when you have such an inflated salary for your big three. And we'll get to their extensions a little bit. KD, I spoke a little bit in some presses uh, in in Tokyo, but I think that being able to find guys that and contribute to some level while also having them under a level of control uh, that isn't going to break the bank uh, is is a real it might be as good as getting those superstars in the first place yeah i mean it's kind of like if you made a cake and didn't have the icing you know what i mean it's like that's what sean marks is doing he's getting those final pieces in and i think also you look at the net situation it's very unique that you have three superstars and they can kind of amplify some of these other players we saw with bruce brown last year maybe that happens with javon carter this year but kind of getting back to a point like you said jack It gives the Nets another tool because now they have a good guard defender, mostly a point guard defender because of his size, but he can still shoot the three ball where, no, Bruce Brown, that's still in development. So, yeah, you play Bruce Brown, throw him at whatever lead guard the other team has. It might hurt you a little bit offensively where that's just not the case for Javon Carter, at least in terms of what the stats say. Obviously, we have to see him on the court and he still has to perform, but it looks like he has a respectable three-point shot. Yeah, I mean, he's... His field goal percentage from three across his career is 38.6. Sorry, yep. 38.1, which is 
which is, you know, really, really solid. Obviously, the attempts, you know, aren't necessarily elevated. You know, around two and a half for his career was 42 and a half percent in 2019-20. So I think that Phoenix, you know, gave him uh, at least a semblance of confidence from there. You know, his rookie season in Memphis, you know, he was 33 percent. He also really endeared himself in that rookie season to Memphis. Yep. You know, he fit the grit and grind mentality. And I think that, you know, he is going to be a role player for, for years to come. And I think that we saw what Bruce Brown, the level of success that he had in this Brooklyn Nets team, you know, not just in the regular season, but in the postseason as well. There were games where Bruce, you know, got us some games. He, he got us some big possessions, some steals here and there. You know, he's floated a game, the layups. Uh, and I think Javon Carter is going to provide us spurts throughout next year as well, throughout the regular season and even the postseason. You know, you know, we've seen the Atlanta Hawks have some success. You know, I wouldn't want to be, if I'm Trey Young, I'm not, I wouldn't want to be going up against Javon Carter as a, a pesky little matchup because that dude is just, he just fights, man. Uh, and uh, I can't wait to see him out there uh, for, in a Brooklyn Nets uniform because uh, he's just going to, he's just going to fight. He's going to hustle. Uh, he's going to do all the things that are going to endear him to the fans, uh, to the coaches and to the franchise overall. Yeah, I mean, I, he'll definitely pick up Trey Young full court. That seems like something that's going to lock in, just kind of one of those annoying things. And I think also you look at it from a team-building perspective of going into the offseason, there's a good chance the Nets need to sign two point guards because it looks like Spencer Dinwiddie's probably not going to be back. We'll talk about that later. And then we talked about them adding you know, a possible veteran minimum guy. And the chances of finding two of them that kind of fit your need weren't necessarily always going to be the case. So now you bring in one guard right off the bat that you feel confident in. Like I said, maybe he's not in the rotation. Maybe he fights for that spot. Maybe he only plays if there's injury. But at least it's somebody you know is an NBA player and can have an impact in a certain way with his specific skill set. Big time. Now, uh, I also just, Jack, I guess quickly to touch on, I know you mentioned it was pick 19 last year to pick 29 this year, but obviously they get Javon Carter. And I also think, um, you know, this draft class is stronger than last year's draft class. So I think in terms of like that value, it's not as bad. Obviously, Sadiq Bay had a really good season for the Pistons. So say what you want about that and the hot whole situation. But I guess kind of making up for a mistake, I think this is a pretty good scenario. I think Sean Marks is one of, uh, not one of the few GMs, but he has a self-awareness about it. Yep. He goes, you know what? You know, Jean Musa wasn't the right pick. Let's see if I can fix something there. You know, we don't need Rodions on this roster. We're not going to be contending. He has a level of, of being able to assess the situation and take his ego out of it. Yep. And you know, but as a GM where you need to think big picture, what is best for the franchise, you know, and, and not necessarily go, okay, I'm going to stick with the pick that I got, going to ride the whole way through it. No, he does what's best for the players. He does what's best for the team, the coaches. Um, and I think that that's why he is one of the more heralded GMs. You know, we saw him in the draft room um, with the, the entire scouting team. High fives are plenty. You know, he he was spoke glowingly of his scouting team and the you know, the challenges that they faced this year and how much they, they helped him and, and, and make, the, make his picks this year and, and everything else. Sean Marks is a, is a wonderful GM, Nick. Called him a wizard many a times, the Kiwi <laughs> wizard. Uh, bloody happy to have Sean Marks uh, in the Brooklyn Nets franchise and hopefully it's for many years to come. Uh, agreed. I mean, like you said, kind of that little scouting video or the in the draft room, it just looked like a lot of fun, a lot of good, good vibes, and usually that comes from good leadership. So, you know, shout out to Sean Marks, who's done an obviously amazing job for the Nets, and hopefully the Nets get that trophy this year so he even gets more recognition for what he's done. But, Jack, you want to talk about the draft picks now? Let's get into it, Nick. Let's start with Cameron Thomas, Cam Thomas. The, the, it seems unfair that the Nets got the best scorer 
in this draft. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, he's got a, an array of moves that makes him look like James Harden and Devin Booker and CJ McCollum, but it's legitimately, statistically speaking, the highest point points per game in the last 25 seasons for a major conference freshman are... Trey Young with 27.4 points, Michael Beasley with 26.2 points, our boy KD with 25.8 points, Mark L. Fultz with 23.2 points, and last season, Cameron Thomas for LSU. It's, the dude's a bucket. Yeah, I mean, just just a really, like you said, Jack, he is a bucket, kind of fits the vibe of the Nets, you know, elite shot creation, great ball handling. You know, I think he really has the potential to be a great shooter. Like, if you just watch his jumper and see the mechanics and just the open shot open shots he took last year it just feels like it, the percentages are going to go up because it just felt like LSU depended on him so much you know you and I we're not college wizards we don't watch a ton of those games <clears throat> but just based off of what I watch it doesn't seem like he had a ton to work with the workload was really on his back forced him to probably take some shots he didn't want to take but also I think his shot selection could improve on his own but offensively he just has a ton of tools like there's so many elements of his game where you look at him and you see how he could gel I know a lot of people are concerned about like you know how is he going to play when he's not on ball well I thought some of his off ball stuff and some of the highlights in the film we watched was really promising and he looked very comfortable in terms of like reading his defender not only on ball but also reading them off ball so offensively the only thing he really needs to improve on I think is his passing like he needs to get better with his passing decision making and some of his shot attempts but other than that like there's a lot of skill to his game obviously there's still refinement he's a very young kid but there is a lot of potential for somebody at number 27 and especially for a contending team it feels weird to be so excited about a draft for a team that could have easily won a championship a few months ago yeah, I mean, Kevin O'Connor had him 11 in his yeah. mock draft, which is saying something. You know, he was absolutely over the moon with how the... And, and, and as was Bobby Marks, you know, who yep. obviously has his ties to the Nets franchise and said that, you know, he could make the, the Rising Stars game, which yep. is, you know, obviously Clax, it's a travesty the Clax didn't make it last year. Uh, but you know, all, all the year before, Clax City obviously deserves to be in every form of uh, accreditation that he deserves. But yeah, Cam Thomas, Nick, the... The uh, array of skills that he has offensively, you know, he's got the the post moves, you know, he, he, he obviously, you know, we saw the the suit, which was absolutely outstanding, inspired yep. by his mum and Kobe Bryant, you know, he, he, he obviously takes a lot of inspiration from there. James Harden, one of his eyes, he's going to be learning from him. Um, you, you know that, that that's going to have a big ap- impact on him because... He gets to the line like a goddamn madman. Yep. So great at creating contact, knows where the defender is, um, can finish super well, has a really nice floater. Um, and that step his back... His mom said that's his best shot. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the step back, Nick, he creates so much separation off it. Like, yeah. it feels like he gets, like, feet and feet. And, like, it just... I mean, the dude already has range, but, man, he is going to be... He's going to be something. Yeah, he really, yeah, that's funny you bring that up, Jack. I thought the range was really impressive. Sometimes it's hard to notice in the college game because the line is so different. But, like, he was taking you know, shots from the LSU logo in a couple plays and knocking them down. He looked very comfortable taking deep threes off the dribble, which is probably one of the more difficult shots you can really attempt. I guess, like, looking at a little bit more of the negatives, I think um, defensively, 
there's a lot of room for improvement. I think some of that's kind of the bigger workload in what you had at LSU where maybe kind of he lost some of his focus on different plays, can kind of get caught ball watching. And I think just like the fundamentals, his stance is a little bit high. If he's able to just like clean those things up, which I think are correctable things. It's not like those are things where we're talking about a guy who's, you know, super slow or he's undersized or something like that. I think for the guard position, maybe not the tallest guy, but he's built enough where he can be a competent defender in the NBA. And there were plays where the defense did look good because I think his, he has relatively quick hands. We didn't see a ton of it in college, but enough for it where we're like, okay, maybe that could be an asset moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he's still 6'4". So, yeah. like, he's he's short for, I guess, a shooting guard. For But, you know, I think he's more like just a general combo guard. I think that yep. guards, wings, big. So, I think that's how yep. I look at, at NBA players these days. And, yeah, obviously, in you know, at, at LSU, you know, he was playing in a switching scheme. So, it is a little bit tougher for the guards to sort of, you know, make an impact defensively. Obviously, he was basically uh, the heliocentric, you know, James yep. Harden version for that team as well. Uh, but I think that there is some promise there. And I think that under the tutelage of, of Steve Nash and all the coaches in, in Brooklyn. You know, we, we know how well that the, the Nets coach the rookies and, and get impacts out of them um, and, and just all the players individually. You know, they're going to be taught how to do the fundamentals well. And I think he actually is an okay on-ball defender. Uh, it's just that when the, the ball gets switching and moving a, a lot, you know, he can get a, a, a lose his focus a little bit. But I think that once he, in an NBA scheme, I think he's NBA ready in a, in a lot of uh, respects, Nick. And uh, I just think that I'm, I'm super excited to see this kid play. And I don't know how he dropped to, to the Brooklyn Nets, but uh, it is our reward. And you could see how happy you know, Sean Marks and the team were and, you know, Twitter lit up and it was just nothing but, you know, A-plus grades for the Brooklyn Nets and getting Cam Thomas. You know, everyone passed him up and we know how much that sort of bodes well for a lot of guys, you know, that they're going to hold it in their chest and be like, you know, you pick, you pass up on me, I'm going to, you know, cook you. I just think that he just has so many great things that are going to show him to be a good NBA player. He is NBA ready um, with a, to a T. And uh, he's got such a tight handle as well. And I yeah. think that that is an underrated skill that I think a lot of college players don't have. You know, um, funnily enough, you know, uh, my guy, uh, Josh Giddy for, for the OKC Thunder, you know, it, ha- it lacks that the tightness and, and the slickness in his handle. Whereas Cam Thomas has that ball on a string and the ability to just kill defenders with it <clears throat> to a yeah. way that you know James Harden kind of does, Devin Booker kind of does. You can see the inspiration from those guards, and yeah, he, it's just and he doesn't necessarily have to have you know an immediate John Wall, Russell Westbrook burst of speed because he knows he can go. All right, I'm going to change my pace and bang, I'm going to go. Yeah, um, he's awesome, Nick, and um, I, I love the the drip that he had on on draft night. He seemed to be pretty goddamn happy there. Uh, on the top of Barclay Center and joined the view. Um, Cam Thomas, uh, CT, Tomo, uh, can't wait to see him out there in summer league. Yeah, Jack, you kind of talked about like some of his feel and like reading the defenders and kind of embracing the contact, getting to the free throw line. It just kind of talks about how he's just like a very skilled basketball player and he understands the game. You know what I mean? He understands what you're trying to do out there, and you definitely can see shades of Kyrie and Harden, like you mentioned. And also, with the tight handle, it gives you confidence in the fact he should be able to attack switches. Like, if you know, I saw a couple plays where he got a big on him, and he kind of embarrassed them a little bit because he's able to move that handle. He also feels so comfortable taking some of those deep threes or step-back threes. That's something he can kind of go to. And also, I think 
you know, you love like the confidence he has. It just seems like a guy that's ready to really compete at that next level. And I remember listening to some interviews and him talking about one thing he was working on this offseason is kind of quicker decision making. And I think that could be a real benefit joining the Nets. Obviously, he's not going to be a lead guard. He's going to be a role player, maybe be that scoring burst off the bench. And that's where that can really have a benefit. And obviously, the NBA game is so much quicker than the college game. But what do you envision his role like um, in his rookie season? I think it'll be six-man-ish, Nick. Yep. You know, obviously, we'll wait to see what happens with Spencer Dinwiddie and such. But you know, I can see him out there you know, running a second unit, playing alongside of James Harden, you know, in the absence of some of our guards, you know, being somewhat of a lead ball handler because of all the skills that we've mentioned in terms of his handle. And I do think that he has you know, passing chops, you know, in, yep. in, especially in the pick-and-roll. He can make reads. It's just that a lot of the time, you know, he's asked to just do so much. And I think that that's a, a good thing because doing the things that we, you know, maybe are some of his weaknesses are much easier than all of his strengths. It's so yeah. much harder to get a step back three. It's so much harder yep. to create your own shot. It's so much harder to shoot nearly 90% from the free throw line. Yeah. Like, that's such a, I mean, we sort of talk about, and we sort of know how great this free throw shooting team is. You know, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you know, all those dudes are near 90%. And you add Cam Thomas to that, guy's going to have a ball in his hands a lot as well. You know, these guys are just going to be in free throws, getting easy buckets. And, you know, the uh, not to quote the, the great Kevin Durant, but I might as well do it. Straight buckets, Nick. Straight buckets. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And I think... I look at him kind of almost in that if he's able to secure a rotation spot, I think always with a rookie, it's a question mark. Like there's no guarantee they're instantly going to be able to play because there's just other variables. But if he is able to get into the rotation early on, I mean, I don't see why he can't fit into that Landry Shamit role. You know, off ball movement is there. The three point shooting, I think is going to be there. I think the catch and shoot is really nice, but then he offers you a little bit more because he has the ability to kind of attack some of these closeouts in a different way that, you know, you see a Kyrie or a Kevin Durant do obviously not to that level, but the creativity in that different offensive skill package, it just makes the nets that much more potent. So I just think that there's a lot of options for him offensively and what he can bring to this team. And I just think the off-ball movement will be something that we see utilized a little bit more that probably wasn't utilized a ton in college. Like I said, I think the real thing for him, the Nets aren't going to really ask him to create a ton for others. He might be asked to do a little bit of self-creation in certain situations or guys sitting out. It's going to be what level can he defend at at the NBA? You know what I mean? Like the Nets have other guys that can't really defend at a super high level or don't do it regularly during the regular season. They're going to need Cam Thomas to probably pick it up on the end of the floor, which it seems like he has the ability to do, which is kind of more of a question mark. Will he be able to do it so quickly in the NBA? Yeah, he's just going to get have to get NBA reps, get used to the athleticism, get used to the speed. And, you know, that's going to take time. And, you know, Summer League's going to be a good opportunity yep. to, to showcase some of uh, the chops there. But, you know, he's going to need to earn the minutes, you know, defensively. And I've, I've got a feeling that he can. You know, he's – I think that he's – already got just like a, a smart head on his shoulders and all of these guys do you know to make the nba you've got to have a level of awareness about your own game you know mike schmitz does these great breakdowns with a lot of the yep. prospects did it with cam thomas and Daron sharp and both of the their attitudes you know just i, I love the attitude of cam thomas uh, it, i think that he's going to be a really special player and um, hopefully he's a, wearing a brooklyn nets uniform for a long time i think him and Kyrie are going to go on like a house on fire you know sharing some kobe stories i think Cam's going to ask for all the Kobe stories uh, from Kyrie. You can, uh, no doubt about that. And I think Kyrie's going to love uh, mentoring this kid um, as he's done for so many other Brooklyn Nets players in their tenure. So uh, Cam Thomas, Summer League can't come fast enough. And uh, the pick and roll with Dayron Sharp is going to be mean. 
If you love listening to the Brooklyn Buzz, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you get it all for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen, talk to us about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance in the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, before we move on to Daron Sharp, Jack, how cool is it that like you're drafted by a contending team and then you get to play with your favorite player in the NBA? Like He gets to play with James Harden. He gets to play with Kyrie Irving. He gets to play with Kevin Durant. Like... These are guys that you looked up to, and now they're your teammates. So I feel like if anyone's going to be able to convince somebody, like, hey, you need to do something this way, it's going to be someone that you idolize and someone that you respect. And obviously, he has that to the highest extent for these three. So it honestly should be able to kind of speed up his uh, development and his ability to adapt to the NBA. Yeah, he's not even 20 yet. You know, he's still super duper young. And now, and, now uh, I'm really starting to feel old when I watch the draft. Like, <laughs> like it, it was starting to happen like through the mid 20s, and now I'm like approaching 30, and I'm just like, damn, bro. Like, I'm literally 10 years older than this kid, <laughs> and now I can literally call them kids because I'm old. So, I've been doing that for a couple of years, Nick. So don't worry about that. But yeah, it's it's like me. You know, when I got drafted by OTD basketball to do a little bit of writing, and then you know, listen to the outlet, I'm like, man, this Nick Faye guy is good on the mic. Man, wouldn't mind jumping on a mic with him. And then you know, you you pick me up for the buzz, and you know, you you, you tell me the little things to do. You know, not to make so many goddamn dumb jokes, and you know, chill out a little bit when need be. And you know, and that's gonna be Cam Thomas to to the nth degree. He's gonna learn. Uh, so much from his idol in James Harden. Um, and he's going to, I can't wait to see the basketballer uh, and the person that he turns into being. And you know, yeah. let's not discount the fact that we've got one of the best point guards in history as our coach. You know, yeah. Steve Nash, I think, is going to show, um, gr- impart some great wisdom uh, to, to Cam Thomas as well as the players. But man, uh, this is going to be a, a fun process watching this kid grow into an NBA player. 
Yeah, honestly, it's like funny. It's like the first time I really thought about Steve Nash in the last 24 hours. I mean, I was like hoping maybe we get a couple like little tidbits from him about his thoughts on the players. I'm sure we will at like some point this week. But like you said, you know, you need to work on your decision making and your uh, your point guard and playmaking skills. No better guy to talk to than Steve Nash. You know what I mean? Like that's that's as really as good as it gets. But um, let's talk about Sharp. I mean, number 29, part of that trade that we talked about earlier. What do you like about his game, Jack? He is just a beast on the yeah. boards, Nick. And for a person, when he plays basketball, the only thing I can really do is rebound. Then he's a man after my heart. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And also uh, an incredible passer. Yeah. The touch that he has, you know, I put out a little bit of a tweet. I think it was, um, I took it from Sam Bassini, um, who showed off the, the passing chops that he has. He has just great touch and great feel for the game. He wants the ball in his hands and, you're coming from the, the Tar Heels, a, a great system uh, for, for NBA basketball players. And, you know, he had, you know, his former coach wanting him to be, you know, a, a Hall of Famer. He's got a Hall of Fame mentality as well, Nick. Yep. You know, he's just, he, he's a beast. Like, this kid it looks like a, a man already. I mean, he is. But, but like, the, the, the body that he has, he makes Bruce Brown look like me. Like, he is just an absolute beast. Um, he's got really nice offense and awareness in the pick and roll. Awesome screener. You know, yeah. obviously uses his um, his strength and, and, you know, the ability to roll at the right time. You know, I think even Clax could learn a thing or two from some of his screening. And, you know, uh, you can just imagine KD and, and Kai uh, and James being like, you know, Sharpie, come on, mate. We need to uh, come up here, my dude, you know, holding up the elbow. And Sharp just absolutely nailing someone like, you know, Stephen like Adams. PJ Tucker. <laughs> PJ Tucker, yeah. Um, has... Uh, his offense in the pick and roll, you know, NBA ready body. Um, obviously, the the shooting is something where it's just like, well, he didn't really take anything. Not a really great free throw shooter. But in the workouts, you see the touch and you see the mechanics. And it's just like, this dude has like better touch than our other guy who's a proven three-point shooter in Kessler Edwards. And whether he can actually translate that is, you know, remains to be seen. We've heard that from Clax. We've heard that about Jared Allen. And they haven't necessarily brought it to their NBA level. But Daron Sharp just has this uh, winner mentality, you know. He's, he, as he said himself, consider myself a dog and a winner. You know, he's got a, a, an awesome attitude and a self-belief. Yep. Um, and I, lo I love the fact that he sort of, a, a, as he mentioned to, to Mike Schmitz, that he doesn't want to be classified as a, as a big, but just a great all-round player. And because he has so many tools that go beyond the big man, and, you know, he has some lofty uh, aspirations to be considered in the, the realm of Joel Embiid and, and Nikola Jokic, but two best big men in the league in my eyes. And, yeah, he's just got some great touch and some uh, a great all-round skill set for a dude that's 6'11". Yeah, I think right off the bat, Jack, you love the motivation and the mentality and the energy in which you can bring. And like you said, 19 years old, and he looks like a beast. Like he could have a second career as a bodybuilder at this point. He just like looks like he puts on muscle really easy, which is difficult to do when you're playing basketball. Like that's an underrated trait for your genetics to maintain that muscle. He must eat a ton, but you love it on the nets because like you said, rebounding instantly fills a need. Like he's the clearly the best rebounder in the draft. Offensive rebounds has an impact on there too. I think he's just like a load in the paint. Like he's just a big body that you have to move. You mentioned the screen setting. I'm, I mentioned PJ Tucker. Like I can't wait for him to set a screen on PJ Tucker and get KD free so he can have some room to breathe because he's a big enough guy to do that. And I think also running the floor, that was something where you kind of saw some of his energy where it's like, okay, like he's a big ass dude and he's sprinting down the floor and getting position. That's an easy bucket. And there's also like his feel for the game. Obviously there's room for improvement, but there are a couple like give and go type plays where you could see that or dribble handoffs where you're like, 
oh man, I could see that with James Harden easily because this guy understands when he needs to roll, where he needs to be, and where to position himself. And you kind of mentioned it, Jack. There's some major potential. Like I, when I initially saw the pick and listened to some people talk, I was like, oh, I'm not sure how high his ceiling is. But like the shooting thing is really interesting because you heard Sean Marks mention it. You heard uh, Dayron Sharp mention himself. And then you've seen other people kind of talk about it. And like you said, the mechanics don't look bad. And he's right, Nick. Yeah. Just not bad. Like we compare it to like Jared Allen and you know Clax and stuff, some of our other big men. And you look at the shot, it looks Joel Embiid esque. And Joel yep. Embiid's shot is super goddamn fluid because you know Joel Embiid is one of the, the great athletes to ever step foot in the NBA for a seven foot big man. You know, he's a keen Elijah one. Like now, I'm not putting Darren Sharp in that class just yet, but you see the flick of the wrist, you see just the, the mechanics, you see the composure, you yep. see the, the body movement, the ability to just like lift and, and use his legs um he's just got just great fluidity yeah it really i mean and that's what's kind of interesting is like you think he'd be a better free throw shooter maybe it's like more touch maybe it's a mental thing but still like this is an area where he definitely can improve i think one other area where i look at him where i think he needs to be better just based off of how nba defenses play these days is his short roll you know he says that he has a little bit of a floater a little bit of a touch shot Obviously, we have to see that happen, and I think some of his decision-making in those situations could be a little bit better, but he's a 19-year-old rookie. You know what I mean? Like, I'm obviously nitpicking him, and I'm expecting him to kind of be able to play at an NBA level, but just as a rim-rolling big, going straight to the rim, protecting the paint, uh, I think he'll be best utilized in drop coverage because he can use his strength. You know, it seemed like he's very good at taking contact. His verticality seemed like it'd be something that he can depend on the NBA level. The only thing that I'm a little concerned about is like, I'm not sure how good of a switch defender he'll be. He thinks that he can switch based off of some of the, you know, the tape. It doesn't necessarily look like he, he can switch, but that's something that kind of developed further down the line. It's not like he's the greatest athlete in the draft. So that's probably my biggest question mark. But at the end of the day, the Nets probably drafted him more so to be a drop coverage type center. And I think that the times where, you know, he did see that film, you know, he was aware that, you know what, I get my body positioning wasn't great here. Yeah. I think that, you know, he has uh, he has a good he, he may not have the, the switchability that Clax does, but I think there is a little bit of potential there. And I think that the reason the fact that he has a desire to do that as well. Is, is something where it's just like, you know what, he isn't settling on his laurels. He wants to be the best version of himself. He doesn't yep. want to just be, you know, this awesome shot protector, a rim protector, you know, just a, a guy that just runs the floor, you know, relentlessly, yep. um, has is, is great with the ball in his hands, you know, obviously can bully guys on a switch as well. Um, he has just a, a, a lot, a lot of good tools a, as a big man. And yeah, I, I think that the turnovers is probably one thing where you look at it, but yep. I don't necessarily look at, a, at, at that as a bad thing because you look like Cade Cunningham. You know, he had the ball in his hands a lot as well. They were on sharp. And, you know, I'd rather have guys who have high turnovers uh, because they're trying to make some nice passes and try to create offense for others. But yeah, I, I'm I'm super excited to what this this guy can do because his rim protection is obviously elite. He is an elite athlete um, in, in in so many ways in terms of strength and NBA verticality. You know, you you maybe compare him to like a in terms of the the prototype defensively. You know, Tristan Thompson is someone that comes to mind a little bit because you know Tristan Thompson in in those Cleveland days you know showed some really nice switchability. Um, obviously. You know, and the one correlation about- I kind of that like popped in my head, sorry to cut you off, Jack, would just be like Tristan Thompson, not like super quick or anything like that, but it's the high effort, the high energy. And that's something you can definitely see with Sharp, where maybe he's a step slow in terms of, you know, defending the guard, but he's going to make that, you know, the six efforts in the play to get himself back in there and contest the shot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, the, 
the fact that the Nets fill an area of need with a rookie in terms of their rebounding, you know, we're like night after night after night, man, well, I wish we could have a guy who just was a beast on the boards and, well, give me back Reggie Evans and all these different sort of things. Now the Nets literally have the best rebounder in this class. And yep. he's not just good at rebounding in terms of, you know, on the offensive glass and being able to just read the ball as well as anyone else does. The dude just loves getting a body and boxing out. Yep. Like, he would just, like, flatten you to get the ball <laughs> and just, like, you know, give it to James and, and get it out in the outlet. And I just can't wait. I, look, the, I, I'm a man who loves a rebound, Nick. I mentioned that when we were talking about Dayron Sharp. Uh, I'm going to be doing maybe rebound breakdown to Dayron Sharp. That's how relentless I am about this, dude. I mean, I the one thing that you brought up, Jack, and that he mentioned is that he loves to put a body on somebody, and that's something the Nets have not loved to do in the past. Even, you know, Jared Allen, who's been one of their best rebounders, like he, he even clacks, like he's not necessarily a crazy boxer outer type guy. He's more of like, I'm going to just grab the ball. You know, Sharp just seems like he wants to put a body. He wants to lay somebody out. I know you probably saw this highlight, too, of him getting the offensive board. He took out, like, three guys on the way there. I was just like, God damn, like, this is this is a man at 19. So it's really exciting. And I'm definitely more in the, the ship of, like, oh, I don't think rookies can have a role in a championship team type thing. But these two guys feel a need, and based off their skill sets and what the Nets are going to ask them to do, I can easily see both guys being in the rotation at some point. I think for Sharp, it kind of depends on what the Nets do in free agency and what they're looking for at that center position. But Cam Thomas feels like he could fill in that Shamit role right off the bat, and Sharp could fill in that brute center role right off the bat. But I just don't think the Nets will depend on brute center every single night. No, and, and I think that having him as well, you know, him, Clax, hopefully Blake Griffin, hopefully yep. Jeff Green, I, I would like what you know Blake Griffin could provide in terms of t- some tutelage to, to Sharp because the way that Blake Griffin has turned himself into a three-point shooter, the way yep. that he ha- when he has the ball in his hands, he's become a tremendous playmaker and passer and just uh, has an incredible amount of intelligence. Um, you know, makes real hustle players as well. You know, Sharp obviously is an, an immense rebounder. You know, I think that he's in a, a pretty goddamn good situation and you know, him and Clax, you know, uh, it's going to be fun because Clax is just, you know, a, a springy vertical athlete. And, you know, the, he's improved his rebounding. I like the way that, you know, he's shown the effort there and he's using his, his athleticism. But Sharp has, you know, maybe not necessarily the vertical athleticism, but he's just got an NBA-ready body. And the fact that we're saying that about a, a 19-year-old as well, you know, going on 20, he's going to be, he's going to make an impact. There's going to be nights where you see, I'd be surprised if we don't see Dayron Sharp with a double-double in his rookie season. Yeah, I agree, Jack. And also just kind of getting back to the passing, which you highlighted a little bit, his ability to make such quick decisions, like his anticipation. He talked about a lot about the scouting report and listening to what the coaches said to him. And I think that's crucial because, like, you need to understand where other teams are going to be trying to defend you. And I also think you'll be able to utilize your passing a little bit more in the NBA where there's more spacing. You see so much zone in college where things kind of get all kind of, you know, just a little messed up and everything is just kind of tight in the pain and you can't make the passes you want to make. Well, now you have space. Your passing should be able to improve a little bit, too. And, and the Nets look their best when that ball is moving. And yep. when you have a sharp out there, you know, it's just going to, you know, DHOs with the Cam Thomas, DHOs yep. obviously with, with our superstars. Uh, but he's going to... He's going to be an initiator. You know, he's going to run the floor. He's going to throw outlet passes. He's going to throw passes from the elbow, from the from the top of the perimeter. Um, he has a, an, an, a wide array of, of parts. And there's going to be some turnovers, but yep. I'd rather see them. And, you know, I, I want to see him make mistakes throughout this season. Obviously, it's a, a little bit harder to say that for a team that has lofty aspirations. But if the Nets don't really get anyone, I think that... 
we we talked about you know in in previous pods the fact that you know there's something about having rookies on your team that shows a level of excitement and anticipation that you want you know we're going to give sharp and clacks and all these guys a semblance of leeway that we're not going to you know with jeff green kd and, and blake that yep. those guys shouldn't be making mistakes as, as being vets but you know the mistakes are what you learn from you know not to get all existential and all teacher on everyone you know bringing out the old teacher in me but you know damon sharp i can't wait to see you know all the different things that he does and putting that all together out on an NBA court. I want to see him flatten dudes like, you know, Zion Williamson was ripping away steals in his first summer league game. I want Damon Sharp to just flatten everyone else. And hopefully um, we see that for a long time as a Brooklyn net. And yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see how he does fit into the rotation. But the, the mentality, he's I, I think he's going to force his way into getting some minutes here because uh, this dude just wants to win and he wants to impact the game. And because he can do it in so many ways and because... He can do it in a way that provides immediate need for the Brooklyn Nets. You, know, you can make a really strong argument that you know he might get more minutes on on than Nicholas Claxton on certain nights. You know, in certain matchups where you're going up against you know those bigger bruises where you know Claxton doesn't necessarily have the the frame just yet because you know we saw you know the fact that Damon Sharp was you know 278 pounds and then lost 18 pounds you know heading into that individual workout. A lot of people were like, well, why is he just getting ready and fit now? I look at it as a positive. This dude wants to get ready for NBA teams. You know, this is what matters. Why is he getting ready now? He's 19. Like, let the kid get his life straight if he needs to. I mean, I wasn't making great decisions at 19. I don't think a lot of people are. It's like they put this crazy pressure on these athletes that they need to be perfect right at the, the bat. Like, it's like chill. Yeah, the and I think that the Nets are going to cultivate all of the all of his best things, and I think they're going to allow him to do so many different things. And you know, we we mentioned the individual skills that he does have, and you know, just taking away all of the you know the passing, the screening, the rebounding, the, the a little bit of switchability here and there, upside as a shooter, just the mentality of both Cam Thomas and Dayron Sharp. These dudes are just. I don't, I got, I, this this both become like synonymous with like NBA Twitter and and a stigma to it. But they're hoopers. They've got yeah. a mentality to just go out there and just put it all out there, and they don't necessarily need to think the game. They have already you know an, an IQ and awareness that allows them to impact. And I don't think that there are a lot of rookies that do that have that skill automatically. That you know that's all already just goes. All right, I'm going to impact this game. I'm going to rebound. I'm going to do whatever it is that means my team can win the game because that's the only thing that matters to me. And both of these guys, you know, they scream winner. Yeah, they just have an edge to them. You know what I mean? Like, there's just certain guys you kind of get that vibe and their competitiveness, and it just seems like these two have that so far. But let's talk about some of the second-round picks, unless you got anything else on Sharp, Jack. Look, uh, I'm going to ask you, Nick, do you think that uh, Tomo or Sharpie is a better nickname? Which one should I, you know, go with and sort of make a, my sort of thing for the for their nicknames? You know, if I ever get a, a post-game press with one of these dudes, do you think if I call Cam Thomas or uh, or, or Dayron Sharp, Sharpie or Tomo, do you think that they're going to just be like, what the hell is this Aussie dickhead talking about? I mean, Tomo sounds kind of cool, but Sharpie seems like something Iron Eagle would say. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like, I could definitely hear that on a broadcast this year. Like, I don't know what it's going to be. That's why I need to get paid the big bucks. It'll be like Sharpie something, you know, Sharpie on the glass, you know, and there we go. So I think that could be something that catches on. You know, if you hear I and say it this year, Jack, you need to get some money for it. Copyright it early. Get it on some T-shirts. <laughs> but, um, Jack, I guess quick, quick thought um, before I guess we move to second round picks. You definitely think cam thomas or dayron sharp is going to get more minutes this season which guy do you think it'd be more likely to get big minutes 
Spencer Dinwiddie leaves, and depending on you know what the Nets get in return, and hopefully a sign and trade, and um, which we'll get to obviously a little bit later, it's Cam Thomas. Yeah. Uh, if the the Nets stay as they are and you know, don't necessarily add anything other than like a JaVale McGee type, you know, in terms of their big men, and or even nothing, then it's probably Daron Sharp. So I think yeah. that, that both of these guys are going to fight for minutes, and they will get them throughout the season because we know that how the Nets are in terms of their their load management and their injury management. Uh, both of these guys are going to get time. I don't really care, you know, who who gets more. Um, I just want both of these guys to get a, a chance to shut their stuff and and showcase their stuff because uh, summer league is uh, it's our new Larry Ob at least uh, in, in over the next couple of months, Nick. Because I'm missing basketball already. I'm watching the tape of these guys is getting me insatiable for some hoops. Yeah, no, summer league should be really, really fun. I agree with you, Jack. I think if Dinwiddie's back, you look at Sharp. If Dinwiddie's not back, you look at Thomas because obviously there's going to be a need at guard. And... Other way around. Other way around. Or, yeah, other way around, whatever, yeah. So, if Dinwiddie obviously is going to play a huge impact, which we'll talk about later. But let's talk about some of the second-round picks. Kessler Edwards, Nick, take with pick 44. Now, there is a, a real good role player that we've, we've probably taken uh, in this kid. And, you know, a, an ability to just sort of slot into an NBA sort of, you know, we talked about, you know, NBA-ready guys and Cam Thomas and Darren Sharp. You don't necessarily find those guys in the second round, but... Kessler Edwards seems to have a lot of skills, Nick, that would sort of go, you know what? A 6'8 dude that can shoot a three, play some really nice defense, that's an NBA player. Yeah, I mean, he just screams 3 and D role player. You know what I mean? And just, like, look at some of the strengths and the weaknesses of his game, you know, has a three-point shot. Shot is not pretty, but it goes down. He shoots at a good percentage. Defensively, he's shown some things. There's some question mark about his foot speed and kind of what he can do in terms of defending guards, but it looks like against certain forwards, he'd be a really good matchup. Off-ball movement is there. Um, he has some really nice length. It seems like the versatility is a thing. There isn't really much creation to his game. It's not like he's going to you know, hit the pull-up jumper like Cam Thomas is, but in terms of like being a player that you fit next to a superstar in a specific mold, that's where I think Edwards can really shine. And it's a unique opportunity, I think, on the Nets where – hey, we need a specific skill set, and you can do those things. Can you do it at the NBA level? We don't know. That's why you were drafted in the second round, and I think that's really where the question mark is for him. But if he can do it at the NBA level, this feels like it could be a major steal. The dude is 6'8 with a 6'11 wingspan, and if you watch any type of, of Kessler Edwards, <laughs> yeah, you look at his arms, and I'm like, man, that looks seven foot to me. Because yeah. the way he just stops shots, blocks shots, nullifies shots, and uses his wingspan, uh, it is a real weapon. Like, he, the dude is like a, a beast in terms of the length that he does have, and you know, he can he can switch. You know, I, I yep. probably I would say three to five, probably more front court, maybe two yep. to five with some of those bigger guards. I don't I don't think he has the the lateral quickness to, to switch onto some guards, but you know, I feel if like he, he could guard like a Chris Middleton. Like that would just a guy that came to my mind where it was like, okay, it's not like necessarily a fast guard, but he's still a guard, I guess I would say per se. And I think that Edward if he can refine his fundamentals and some of his principles to his defensive game. That's like a matchup that would be ideal for him in a, in a perfect world. Yeah, and I think he's a really good man defender, isolation yep. defender, you know, in, in so many different positions. You know, other than, like I sort of mentioned, if he's got like, you know, Trey Young or Damian Lillard or you know, Kyrie Irving, whoever else it might be on him, 
I think that those guys that are quicker and have really tight handles are, are going to make him look silly. But, you know, for guys like Chris Middleton, these sort of bigger guys in the perimeter, you know, he's just going to get in your face and just make things, make your life of a living hell. Um, it just has really good fundamentals there. Uh, a really, like, you know, steer, he'll, he'll, he'll rip it off you. You know, he'll block your shot. Um, shot blocking was a little surprising for someone his size. Like, it really kind of popped off the screen. Yeah, I think that he has just good rotate, good like basket, good defensive IQ, yep. ability, uh, and good weak side help. You know, sort of like you know, KD to an extent. Obviously, we're not comparing him to Kevin Durant, but in terms of that individual skill, you know, he he wants to block your shot. He knows he has good timing, and he knows when to jump because his arms are, are longer than goddamn Inspector Gadget. So <laughs> I think that you know he the he provides a, a skill that I think can give something to the Brooklyn Nets, and you know, on a two way contract, you know. I almost prefer him to, to Chris Chioza, Reggie Perry, Mike James, these sort of dudes, because, you know, we were screaming out for some wing help in the in the postseason and in the regular season, for that matter. You know, it was it was Jeff and it was KD throughout the uh, the year. And now we've got a guy who, you know, I think that we can get to his weaknesses in a little bit. But in terms of the skills that we've talked about, those are NBA-level skills. And I, I can see him blocking shots for uh, for days on end. I can see him locking up, uh, you know, high quality offensive players and i can see him shooting some threes and the threes that he does shoot uh you know obviously catch and shoot but he shoots them off movement as well you know yeah. off, a, off a screen you know you look at sort of like how joe harris sort of moves uh, around the perimeter and it's just like uh, it's just like where how do i keep up with this guy you know kessler has that to an extent as well which is impressive for somebody six eight you know what i mean it's it's kind of expected when it's joe harris or landry shaman or even cam thomas we talked about before but when you're six eight in his size you don't necessarily anticipate that type of movement so i mean i love the idea of the two-way contract for him because it gives him reps that he's really going to need in the nba but i think there's a realistic expectation for him to develop relatively quickly into an nba role player i'm not saying a starter but into a bench piece a guy that just spaces the floor shoots threes and can be an impact defender. Like, I think there's some real potential defensively. I think, you know, he played at Pepperline, so not necessarily a giant school. I want to see him against NBA competition against some of the elite, and then we get a better gauge of who he can be defensively. I mean, if it looks good, like, I, I really think this could be a steal of a pick. Obviously, I'm always going to be optimistic here, but I just think there are tools for this guy to be an NBA role player that's 3 and D. Maybe not the best one in the league or anything like that, but one that could play on a playoff team down the yeah, line. Yeah, you mentioned Danny Green as a comp, Nick. You know, I think Robert Covington is a similar yep. sort of type. It just doesn't necessarily have, you know, the ability to create his own shot. But, you know, off a catch and shoot and in a, in a, a system where there's a, a couple of guys, including, you know, two of our, at least one of our rookies, uh, can do that in spades. You know, he, he, he slots in pretty goddamn nicely in terms of his three-point shooting. But I guess the in saying that, despite the fact that, you know, that he's a near 40% three-point shooter throughout his college days, the mechanics, uh, they don't look great, Nick, but ultimately goes in, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's like his body kind of sways when he shoots. He leans, I think it's more on the right side. It's like a leaning shot. It's it's kind of something you see shot at the end of a half or end of a quarter type thing when guys are just trying to get the shot off and they don't have enough pop behind them. So I'm not sure if you go in and you try to change a shot completely because, like you said, the percentages aren't bad. And if he's only asked to be a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter or you know coming off screens and stuff like that, like I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that creates. So it becomes a question for the Nets. How much do we really adjust that shot or we just kind of let it be type thing? Yeah, I think that despite the odd mechanics, he does get it off quick. He yep. does have a high release. And when you're 6'8", and you can get it off quick and with a high enough release, 
you know, that's a, a relatively unguardable shot. Obviously, he is quite rigid. You know, he lands with, like, one leg in front of the other. You know, it's just uh, really odd. And one thing I, I sort of am, I'm on, I'm on board with you, Nick. You know, I don't change something unless it needs to be changed. And, you know, Giannis is a, is, a, is a name that comes to mind for me where you look back to his rookie season and the mechanics and the fluidity that he had with his jumper and the comfort. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily as slow as what it is to, today. You, know, you let Kessler do his thing. You let Eddie do his thing. Um, and then if it doesn't work at an NBA level, that's when you get in the tutelage and, and go, okay, these are some things we need to change. And um, I, I think that, you know, as a guy, you know, with the, the tools that he does have and the prototype that he is, you know, uh, he could be a, a pretty valuable pick. Yeah, I agree, Jack. I mean, I really like the pick. Um, I wasn't necessarily a guy I was thinking about prior to the draft or anything like that, but just looking at some of the things and some of the tools, it just kind of looks like one of those under-the-radar things. And you're drafting him, like I said, for that specific role. He's not a guy that's going to ever be an all-star or anything like that. He has a skill set to be a role player, a 3 and D guy, where I think he's probably there's some real potential defensively. You kind of mentioned some of the one-on-one -on -one stuff, and that's where you see some of the length. And I think there's some cleanup at times where he puts himself in a little bit of a bad position, being a little bit off balance occasionally. But like, they're all things that were like, hey, reps and being an older player and just kind of having those experiences in the NBA could even make you better. So, And I really like the versatility, like you kind of mentioned earlier, Jack, potentially defending two through five. Like in certain situations, as he gets older, there's no reason that he couldn't be a small ball five in certain sets. You know what I mean? Or even playing with Kevin Durant or Jeff Green or Claxton. Now you have all these guys that can switch over multiple positions. And then you also have multiple weak side rim protectors on the floor, guys that can block shots. You kind of hinted at before. You know, he, he made some really good rotations, some like really heady things where you don't necessarily anticipate a kid his age doing. Yeah, the Nets have got a big three already when it comes to the NBA <laughs> team, the, the summer league team, the big three. <laughs> Watch out. Oh, man. But uh, Edwards is, I think after Edwards, I'm a little bit more unsure about the other two guys. I, I feel not super confident in being an NBA player, but I think he has a very good shot at least being an NBA bench player. Maybe he's not even a rotation piece, but it seems like there's enough tools for Edwards. If he can defend at the NBA level, he should be able to maintain a career. For sure. I'll, I'll provide, I guess, a, a little bit of a summation for the last couple of guys, I guess, Nick. Uh, Marcus Zagorowski at uh, pick 49. Uh, funnily enough, his older brother, Michael Carter-Williams, former Rookie of the Year, which does bode well. Uh, a little bit shorter. You know, a lot of people sort of compare him to, to Mike James. I think that he's <laughs> Mike James-esque, but I think he's got a bit more control and probably less shot creation. You know, he, I think he's a better three-point shooter, has a really nice floater. A really good handle, and he's just uh, he's a smart guard. You know, he, he just knows yeah. when to make the right pass. Um, and I think his lack of size is probably the, the thing that goes against him a bit, um, despite you know the fact that he is you know pesky enough. So I think the size could be uh, uh, against him a little bit. But you know, you could imagine him and Cheese and, and Mike James going at each other and and shooting buckets out during practice like no one else's business. But I don't mind him. Um, I, I'm intrigued to see what he can provide. But Raekwon Gray is a is a guy that intrigues me a little bit, Nick. You know, pick 59. You know, he's Millsap-esque and a ground-bound sort of like Zion. He's got some Draymond-ish skills. The dude's thick. Like, let's <laughs> put it that way. Like, he, he, he's he got... He as much as Dayron Sharp, if not more. Yeah, the dude is... Uh, he's girthy. But that adds to just his immense strength. You watch the tape of him, and he literally looks like he's Zion Williamson. Because he has a really nice, like, and as Zion as the point guard this season for the Pelicans, because he's a great passer, he has defensive versatility, really good low center of gravity, 
you know, nice quick feet. He's almost like, what would he be like if he lost his, his strength yeah. or lo lost a bit of his size? Would that detract from him a little bit? You know, he uses the strength to his advantage in terms of as a, as a rebounder. Really good in the open court, despite the fact that, you know, like I said, a little bit bigger. Doesn't take away from the athleticism and, and the drive and uh, and that sort of motor. You know, he's just a, got a really nice passing game. You know, he can do it in the post. He can do it on drives, uh, in the open court. Not a great shooter, though. I think that's probably the number one thing. You know, he doesn't have a three-point shot, but all his other skills are, are pretty nice, and he does foul a lot, too. And, and, you know, when you get into NBA play, um, that doesn't necessarily bode well either. But an intriguing flyer. I don't mind Raekwon. Yeah, I think with Raekwon, you just, like you said, um, the weight thing. You know, I saw some type of report saying he, he had 17% body fat at the combine. If he's able to cut that down maybe to 10% and maintain a lot of his muscle... Now he's dramatically more athletic, and that obviously improves his uh, his game in other aspects. And obviously, with that IQ he has, I think the biggest question mark, like you mentioned, Jack, is like if you're undersized, you probably need to be able to shoot. You know, of like in terms of being undersized from vertically, and then if you over foul, that's not necessarily a great trait to have. That's something that can be cleaned up, though. And then talking about Marcus, like maybe if he combined with his brother Michael, they'd be like an ideal NBA player. Michael Carter Williams, like six six, great defender. Marcus got the great three point shot. You know, that'd be ideal for both of them to combine. Like you says, I think the size is going to be the concern for him and defensively, and the Nets just can't really have can't afford to have more undersized guards, but. Marcus seems like the guy that would kind of be the surprise player where like, oh, you know, I don't expect him to make the team. He has a chip on the shoulder and now all of a sudden he's an NBA player. So I don't want to say neither of these guys have an opportunity. Either of these guys have an opportunity to not make the NBA or make the NBA or whatever it is. But it just seems less likely for these two in comparison to the other three we talked about. And that's why they're later in the draft. Yeah, likely spent some time in Long Island, and <clears throat> we know yep. that the the impact that that G League team can can have, you know, on, yep. on a lot of these guys and um how the G League has been, it had a great night last night. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, we'll wait and see. And, and obviously, some other ads. You know, David Duke is an undrafted free agent, as well as uh, Brandon. Uh, is it Raquel or, or Rachel? I'm not sure how to say it 100. But you know. Uh, both of those guys will see what they can provide um, in, in the summer league. They'll, they'll yep. certainly be going out there to, to give their all. Um, haven't really watched a heap of tape on them, read a little bit, but I'm going to wait and see on them and sort of let them uh, let the let them produce and, and let them show us what they can do at summer league. But it's 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 going to be a fun time. And Nick, we spent so much time talking about prospects that do you reckon we uh, we might do another episode on all the off season stuff, including. The Spencer Dinwiddie news, which feels like it changes like every five minutes. You know, Mike D'Antoni has left. Kyrie's continuing to be the greatest human being on earth. Uh, Kevin Durant obviously having a, a bit of a say. You know, I reckon we, we throw out another episode in the over the next day or so. I reckon we might even have some time tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, we can maybe a little bit free agency primer because that is literally right around the quarter. It is Monday evening that free agency starts. So this is your draft episode right here. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And be sure to check out the buzz on all stream platforms. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.